The following is a production of Art Trap Productions and is made possible in part by supporting subscribers and donations from listeners like you. This episode brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download at audibletrial.com slash British Sci-Fi. Over 85,000 titles to choose from for your iPod or MP3 player. This episode also brought to you by Doctor Who Podshock, the premier international and oldest Doctor Who podcast. Check it out at podshock.net. Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi. With Dave Cooper and Louis Trapani. We are back with the Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi, and as you heard, this is um, well. This is Louis Trapani, and with me is none other than Mr. Dave A. C. Cooper. Yes, it's a miracle I'm still alive. <laughs> Don't say that. It's a it's a miracle that we're we're back with Hitchhiker's Guide. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, great to be here, Louis, and it's lovely for you to do these uh, live shows and. You'll probably tell the people more about that in a moment. Yeah, well, we obviously, if you're familiar with Doctor Who Podshock, uh, another show that we do, uh, which is um, dominantly Doctor Who based, so uh, we do live shows, reviews of new episodes as they go out on uh, BBC and BBC America, and we decided to do the same with Torchwood for since we cover it mostly with with um, on Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi, though we do cover it to some degree on Doctor Who Patrick as well. So we wanted to uh, kind of resume the live shows, doing reviews, and do it with uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi, and that's what we're doing now. So this is our first, even though Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi has been around for two, three years now, this is our first time we're doing a live show, doing a live review of, you know, for the show. And um, I don't know, we, Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi, as I said, has been around for, I, I think, three years now, and it's it, it, we've kind of been doing it monthly, and maybe um, now with this new Torchwood series, it's out on a weekly basis, maybe we'll put out a weekly show to cover Torchwood. Um, I was debating whether or not it should be weekly or maybe bi-weekly, um, but maybe we'll, we'll aim for weekly initially and see how it goes. If it's, um, I think we might be able to do it weekly. Because um, the shows themselves, I don't think, will be too long. The title is long, Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi. I'm, I'm debating on whether or not we should shorten that because it is a mouthful, and it might just we might we could shorten it to just Guide to British Sci-Fi, which kind of um, you know chops off the Hitchhikers. Which I mean, we still obviously that that's a nod to Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, which we adore and love. But again, like I said, we're trying to uh, maybe shorten the title. We could just take the the first two letters and the last two letters of Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi and it'll be Hi-Fi. 
but I think that's already taken Hi-Fi. All right, well, we're here um, to review the first episode of Torchwood, which is uh, Torchwood Miracle Day, and the first episode is called The New World. This is the first of ten episodes of this new series. And um, why are we reviewing Torchwood? It's, uh, is it still a British sci-fi show? I, I think it is. It's still headed up by the same team as far as um, Russell T. Davies and Julie Gardner, Jane Trainer, um are heading up the show. And there's still, obviously, John Barrowman and um, Eve Miles and uh, Kai Owens and Tom Price and some, you know, many of the original cast members are there. I, you know, even though it's being produced in L.A., it's still partially funded by BBC Worldwide, I think. So it still, I think, is um, still has its roots in, you know, in the U.K. So I think it does. Well, a- certainly. There's also uh, two versions of it. I think, again, you may want to give some explanation to that. that well, yeah. Apparently from episode one, there may not appear to be much difference. But from what I've heard from Mr. Benjamin Elliott, that there, there will be slight differences well, as we move through the series. Well, that was going to be my question about what are the differences. Now, I know there's going to, there's a BBC version and the Stars version that goes out, and to my understanding, and I don't know if this is true or not, that it has to do with editing it for for sex and violence or that to to uh, to so it would fit into the BBC standards. I don't know if that's true or not, but I don't, I mean, why else would there be a different edit for BBC than there is for stars if, if it's not for that. I don't know. Well, as I understand it, I mean, it's not because, uh, I mean, I realise that stars is a not, it's a paid-for channel, so probably have a little bit more latitude on what they can show. But the BBC, certainly after the 9 o'clock watershed, are pretty... Uh, yeah, lenient. Uh, not lax, uh, because they do uh, monitor it for, you know, artistic merit, uh, you know, it's not gratuitous stuff. Um, but I think that the reason that that is being propounded by uh, Russell T. Davis, the showrunner, of course, is that um, a lot of younger viewers consider Captain Jack to be their property, their, you know, and therefore, even though it, it obviously goes out after the nine o'clock watershed, thereby saying to adults, you know, you know, uh, family supervision, it's your discretion whether your children see it or not. He does know that there will be that pressure on parents to say, well, look, I watched Captain Jack, I've seen him in this, that, and Doctor Who, and I want to see him. So I think it's from that point of view, almost of preserving the character of Captain Jack for those younger UK viewers. Mm -hmm. Well, as we said, um, it is out on Stars, and then a week later, six days later, it's out on um, BBC and um, I know with episode one, the, it, the first episode in the, uh, in the U.S., it came out on the 8th of July. And then on the 9th, the day after, it was on um, in Canada on um, was it the Space Channel, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. I believe it was also streaming all day on the original day. Um, I saw some tweets it's, where people said it, it was actually stre- legitimate streaming. It wasn't uh, well, stars, you know, a hockey copy. Stars has a screening room, which I don't know if it's available outside of the... I don't know if it's restricted to the U.S. or not, but that you can view the first episode, this episode that we're reviewing today. If you haven't seen it yet, you can go to Stars, you know, the, the, the Stars website and go to the Torchwood section, and there's a, um, a screening room which you can view the first episode. They do this with all their original series, to my understanding, they'll... The first episode of the series, they'll 
allow you to screen free of charge. So hopefully that you'll get hooked on it and then subscribe to stars. You know, that, that's the point. The, the, the problem is that it's very difficult in the U.S. if you don't already have stars to just get the Torchwood. It, it's even more difficult to get Torchwood than it is to get Doctor Who. I mean, with BBC America, once it's shown, even if there are a lot of uh, cable and satellite you know networks that that may not offer BBC America, so if you that means you're completely out of luck. But at least it goes to iTunes and Amazon the day after or, or sometimes hours after it's shown on on BBC America. And that's not the case, which I suspected wasn't going to be the case with stars. So they're holding on to it as a, you know, as a property. But the thing is, there's no way to even if you want to, um, you know, pay for it. There, there's stars on demand, which you can you can pay for stars on demand. But the thing is that you have to be. At least with my cable provider, you have to be a subscriber to Stars already, and it's not, you know, if, if for those that are maybe listening um, outside of the U.S., it's many cable services here in the U.S. or don't offer um, a la carte channels. In other words, so if you want to the Stars, you can't just order. Oh, I want the Stars, and let's let's just order that. You have to order packages. Like in my case. In order to get stars, I can't just order the package that has stars in it, which will have other channels, which I won't watch. But I have to order the next package up and then another package up before that, before I can even get to that. They're like tiers. So um, in other words, you have to get like your basic cable package and then you have to get your family cable package. And once you got those two, then you can order the premium channels on top of those. So there's like three packages that I would have to order in order just to get stars. And that will give me hundreds and hundreds of channels, which I don't want. I just want to get stars for the Torchwood. Right. Well, well, I think that, uh, well, two things here. One, I think it was at Comcast.net, the uh, Xfinity Comcast net that was showing it, I believe, didn't work here in the UK, but it was showing. But I do know that uh, Resident Alien in the room, Mark, uh, does have an opinion on this, and I'm sure he'd like to speak about it, if you'll allow him. Sure, Mark, if you want to chime in. Yeah, sure. I I was just going to add that uh, I was kind of shocked by how much it it cost me to watch this, because I've always said across the years of accessing... You know, if, if, you, if you're living in the U.S. And, and back in the days before we had day-and-date transmission of things like Doctor Who, what you do is you, you know, you do it the slightly naughty way of doing a bit of bit torrenting or something like that. And you know, people like me would say, well, you know, if that's the only way that you can do it, that's that's what you're going to have to do. So I had a bit of a uh, ethical challenge here when I had to say, okay, I'm going to have to put my money where my mouth is. I've always said if I can get it legally. Uh, than I will. But then when I found out it's going to cost me, I mean, uh, exactly uh, with you, Lewis, on all that, in the sense that I already pay quite a large amount to get cable. Uh, I mean, Mm -hmm. to get things like BBC America, you've already got to go up a few packages, which we've done. And then on top of that, you're talking, where I live in North Carolina, you're talking about, if you've got a standard cable, like Time Warner Cable, you're talking about $13, $14 a month, you know. Now, given that all I'm going to be getting from that is a few episodes of of uh, Torchwood, that is a pretty hefty price. I mean, you know, I, I mean, buying the DVD set or the Blu-ray is is going to cost about the same as as accessing, you know, the channel. So it is a bit frustrating. But then again, at the same time, uh, when I was watching it, I was thinking, 
Okay, there's, uh, you know, every time I saw some sort of really great special effects, like a nice big exploding helicopter or something, I thought, well, that's my... That's my thirteen bucks a month, you know. Well, the thing is, <laughs> Thanks for that. you you think that, but they're only getting a small fraction of that because uh, you know the cable company gets their piece, and then you know the the cable companies are are buying all the this uh, content from all these other cable or all, all this other um you know the the other premium channels that may be on that same package that Stars is in. So, you know, I mean, a small piece of it goes yeah, there. That, and that is the frustrating thing because you know, I mean, if there were a way of accessing it, you know, where, where you could just buy it, you know, on a, on a much more limited basis by that particular program or whatever, it would, uh, it would make life, you know, a bit easier, so that was a bit frustrating. But at the same time, you know, I mean, there was, I have to say, there was a slight thrill, uh, you know, when you're living in, in the U.S., there is a slight thrill about getting the thing a few days earlier. You know, we've had to suffer it the other way around for a long time, you know, knowing that people in the U.K. are getting these things first, and, uh, it was kind of nice, you know, feeling privileged and getting this before everybody else. So it wasn't fun. <laughs> I mean, ideally, it should all be, you know, day and day transmission. Uh, unfortunately, uh, that's just not the case. And probably stars, since they're paying the the bulk of this new series, they, I'm assuming, I, I mean, I don't have any inside information, but my assumption is that they, it's, um, you know, they worked out a contract that they get to show it first before anyone else. I, I'm, I'm assuming yeah, that's the yeah, case. Yeah, I think that's likely. You know, so... Um, and, and we know Russell T. Davis and, and his crew, you know, James Tranty you mentioned, and Julie Gardner, we know that they worked really, really hard to get this deal. I mean... Oh, yeah. You know, it was, it was yeah. months and months before. I mean, they were really working. They, they were shopping around. At, at one point, it was yeah, um, yeah. talked about going to Fox, and uh, there was, you know... I know they've been shopping it around. So, I mean, you know, kind of well, well, well done to them for, for kind of getting that. And, and yeah, you know, you, you can... You, you can see the, the the results of it at least from the first episode that it, it does look pretty impressive. It's a beautiful looking uh, mm-hmm. program, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and there's a lot more to come. I mean, I won't spoil it by mentioning, but uh, if if you've got the wiki page open that we're referring to, uh, there's a, there's a lot of more class actors to appear. I won't reveal their names. Maybe some of you know them already. But they've got a good cast. We, we've got the uh, the great uh, team of writers, including uh, one of the ladies I like from uh, Buffy, Jane. Can't remember her second name, but um, you know people. That's the word. Um, you know people with real pedigree in producing um, what you might call a quality shows on the stage. I mean, and I, I'll add this in now. Obviously, this is about uh, British sci-fi, um, and sometimes. People in the UK can be slight critical of the sort of wallpaper nature of American TV. Um, but there's no doubt about it, the upper tier, the top tier group are, are slick. Uh, you know, the money's on the screen and, um, you know, the quality's there. I mean, if you've ever watched something like Heroes or something like that, which I thought was fabulous and the, the other great uh, quality shows... Uh, this, to me, before we actually start talking about the show in particular, um, look the business, as they say. The, mm-hmm. the transition was done. And it's marvellous to actually have Mark in the room because Resident Alien should give the clue away. He, he's a Brit in the States, so he gives a unique perspective for you, Lewis, on you know how that transposition went. Yeah, I big you up now, Mark. So you have to be good. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, gosh, no, now that uh, that uh, makes me nervous. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, yes, I think, I mean, it, it, it's okay to talk about the actual content of, of the episode. Well, we'll just give it a, a we'll give a spoiler warning now. So if you haven't seen, okay. we're, we're talking about New World, which is the New World. Actually, is the name of the episode, which is the first episode of this new series of Torchwood, which is a ten episode umbrella series or mini series, if you like. Just like uh, two years ago, which was um, Children on Earth, was a, a a five episode mini series, if you like. So this is the same thing. So. Um, and if you haven't seen it yet, like we said before, if you go to Stars the, the, that um, website, you can view this free of charge. The first episode it's available on their site for streaming only. You can't, you know, download. You have to like sit in front of the computer and watch it, or, or you know, you have to do it, you know, that way. But as River River Song would say, spoilers, spoilers again. All right. Well, you get the idea. So anything after this point you um you're warned now that there might be spoilers pertaining to the first episode we're not when if if because i know um in the states the second episode's gone out already so we're limiting it uh to just the first episode in this in this show that we're doing now okay go ahead mark i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> That's great. No, I was, I was, one of the things that I think is fantastic about it is the is the transition that's been made between something that was very, very British in its feeling, in fact, not just British but Welsh, you know, that now looks fantastically American, but at the same time without leaving its roots in the original series. So it's kind of impressive that, you, you know, because, it, it, I mean, if, if you actually sort of sat down and said, how do you take something? That's, that's so based in Britain, so so that kind of you know built around you know I mean you know it, it's a spin-off from the ultimate quintessential British show as well, Doctor Who. So you said, how do you do that? Transplant it into America and make it successful. I think you you know you'd be scratching your head. You'd be saying it's a puzzle, but somehow they've managed to carry it off at least on the evidence of the first episode. I yeah, mean, it I, looks, I agree. Feel. It looks and feels like yeah, like a, like a big American show, and then at the same time, it, you, it doesn't feel like it's not Torchwood anymore. It, I still felt I was watching mm-hmm. Torchwood, and I felt I was being, I felt I was being, well, not not humoured by Russell T Davis, but but um, you know, he was paying a compliment to the to the fans of the show. He, he was saying, look, I'm not going to forget you. You know, we're get, we're going to have. You know, if you're a fan of Gwen and Captain Jack and, you know, PC Andy and so on, you're going to see these people. And, you know, we're going to put a few little references in for you if you've seen, you know, previous bits of Torchwood. And I think that it's, when it's done as well as this, I think it's easy to think, oh, well, yeah, that was, that was pretty easy transition. But, you know, if you think about sitting down to write a script that somehow makes the show, you know, like a new show, I mean, it felt like a kind of a pilot for a new show. But at the same time, you know, keep the fans of the existing series there. Then, you know, I think it's a pretty, it's a pretty skillful tightrope walk it's done, and to make it seem as seamless as that, and also at the same time to have such a fantastic narrative flow, you know, I think it's, I think it's, uh, it's really impressive, really impressive. I would say. I agree with you 100. percent I I know when it was first announced that 
it was going to be on stars that Russell T Davies had um successfully um you know he was as i said before he, he was shopping it around and and um there was uh, some initial talk of that, about it going elsewhere then it was announced that it was going to stars a lot of people feared oh no an american version of torchwood and and everyone thought it was going to be a complete reboot or a remake or whatever and it's not it's a continuation of the existing series it, and it it pretty it, it's faithful to that i don't think there's anything that i saw like oh they would never have done this in the original you know torture or whatever it it felt very much like a continuation except for like you said it's 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 a, an american show with the in, wrapped around the original um welsh version of it it seemed i mean it it, right. it, it seemed like a sandwich you know it's sort of like um Reese's Pieces when chocolate and peanut butter come together, it just it just worked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it is definitely worth noting that this is a difficult trick if you've ever watched Being Human, the UK version, as opposed mm. to the American version. Very tricky act. I'm not saying it wasn't uh, successful, the American one. In some ways, it did work. Um, but uh, it just shows you how fraught with difficulties it is, uh, especially since, um, you know, Russell T. Davis probably is a bit of a control freak, I would imagine, and uh, he may well, uh, the American contingent might have had a battle on their hands to get him to say, no, actually, uh, Russell, that won't work here. Um, whatever, ha uh, and we all know, um, what's the animal that, you know, if, a, if, if an animal was designed by a committee, it would be a camel. Mm. You know, you know the old, cause yeah. if a blind man feels yeah. the hump, he thinks it's an element, an elephant. If he feels the the tail, he thinks it's a snake, and so on. And and designed by committee doesn't often work. But for somehow they seem to have uh, squared the circle here. Uh, we've got the good strong uh, UK contingent that's gone over, mm. and they've um, they've enlisted the help of uh, known people with known records, as I mentioned before, and uh, not spoiling episode two at all it appears to be that they've they've got over that initial hurdle of not offending the uk fans yet giving a, a fairly easy lead-in to a 10-part story and the 10 parts of course it's not like the five-part children earth which basically had to motor along pretty quickly um i mean you could virtually say that um this episode that we're going to talk about is almost a prelude rather than Episode one. Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, you don't have to go too far, you know, in in talking about when you have too many bosses to please. Is uh, a might a, a good a good example that might be the 1996 Doctor Who movie, which was a similar situation that took a British show and produced yeah, it indeed. in the U.S. and with BBC co-funding it, but mostly it was. Um, Funded here in the U.S. by it, uh, by Universal and Fox, and um, so and then you had the BBC, and so you had all these different um, masters to please, if you will, if you forgive the pun. So it and it, it did create some kerfuffle in the actual storytelling there. I mean, I, I think they did an outstanding job for what they had to work with there, but you know this whole thing about half human and other stuff that was put into the sh to the show that was just kind of maybe some of the casting decisions whatever were you know were maybe not all the direct decisions of the producer of the show so it's um mm. 
Yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a really good contrast because although I love the you know like Lost the David Doctor movie from '96, mm-hmm. it was so continuity heavy. I mean, you know, looking back on it now and, and con- contrasting it with the way Russell T. Davis brought back the show with Rose, you know, in 2005, which isn't continuity heavy. He's done the same thing here, I think, with Torchwood. He's basically sat down and said, I've got to make this compelling and exciting as a drama to someone that's never even heard of Torchwood. And at the same time, I've somehow got to satisfy the fans. And that's the thing which he seems to be able to pull off. I think... You know, he, he's a great writer of, uh, of pilots. You know, he, he must agonise over them. I actually go so far as to say, I think Russell T. Davis is a lot better at writing first episodes than he is at writing uh, climaxes. <laughs> that is <laughs> absolutely I'm, true, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's yeah. done he's done this several times. I mean, I, I actually go back and often watch um, Rose because I think that's a masterpiece of how you bring back mm-hmm. a series that's been away for years and you've got to catch people with a story you, you know you practically and, and you just you, you meet the doctor the first time when he's just kind of in the middle of running down a corridor effectively and that's the same thing here you you you, you meet the characters while they're in the middle of doing stuff We're yeah not, well what's interesting to get set, you know the, the comparison there with rose if you go back to the original you know to, to rose that episode it was um as the title implies it's it's told through rose's eyes so here you're introduced to the doctor just as Rose is introduced to the doctor. So if you'd never had um, any experience with you know with the doctor or Doctor Who, you were introduced to it through Rose's eyes. So she got to know who and what the doctor was in that episode. And here in in this episode, the New World of, of Torchwood Miracle Day, the same thing is happening because now you have these uh, um, American characters that are have no knowledge of Torchwood. And um, Torchwood is stricken from all the records, so no one knows anything about Torchwood. So it gives an opportunity, a storytelling device, to kind of explain mm-hmm. what Torchwood is without, um, you know, for, for those that may not have any knowledge of it. Yeah, uh, right, it, it, it did the same, sorry, uh, it did the same with uh, yeah. Smith and Jones, didn't it, with the introduction of Martha. That was a very similar, very clever way of uh, bringing uh, it in. But go on, Mark. Mm-hmm. Well, I was going to say, yeah, I was going to agree, yeah. I mean, the Esther Drummond character who's doing all this exploration, again, is, is a little bit like Rose, she's a bit like Martha. She's also like the character, and I'm just forgetting her name, in Children of Earth, um, who's arrived to the job on the first, you know, her first day. She's doing a little bit of exploration. So you've got, you've got that same character again. Great narrative device for, you know, kind of who is tortured, who is catching chat, what's going on, you know. And I think it, it's, great for the, it's great for the viewer that already knows Torchwood because actually what it does is it, it, it makes the viewer that has, is, is in on the secrets kind of glad to be in on the secrets because you think, aha, yes, they don't know yet what we know about yeah, yeah. Torchwood. They don't know about the past. And, and that, I think, is, is the skill of starting something fresh but at the same time ingratiating the existing viewers because cause you're, you're saying to the existing viewers, you know, I'm not going to patronize you, but at the same time I'm going to reward you for your, you know, for your inside knowledge kind of thing. But having said that, I mean, it would be interesting to hear what someone would make of it that really has had no experience at all of Torchwood and no experience of the Doctor Who universe. But I suppose that's 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 one of the harder things to come by because it's the it's the fans at this point that are desperately tuning in and so on. Well, it would be like you said, it would it would be insightful to hear the opinions of someone that haven't seen the previous three series of Torchwood and is just being exposed to it now, is just discovering it now. 
Well, this is um here. Here's a, a since we're speaking about it. Here's a um a clip of what we're just been talking about. How Torchwood is explained in for newcomers, for people that maybe have never seen Torchwood before, and it's worked right into the story. He was after me, not you. Why? Why would he want you dead? On the very day that no one's dying? Wish I knew. And what got you so involved? I'm not even authorized for this. But this friend of mine, I was telling him about Torchwood, and he crashed his car while I was talking to him, and I can't help but thinking that it's all my fault. Know the feeling. So what is Torchwood? Torchwood no longer exists. Then what was it? Because there were photos in that file of a man who looked just like you, but it said 1939, 1925. Is it your father? Suppose it must be. Yeah. Hurt my arm. Considering what we just went through, I'd say that was a miracle. Yeah, another one. The Torchwood Institute was set up by the British royal family in 1879 to defend the realm of Great Britain by investigating the unusual, the strange, and the alien. I'm kind of guessing alien doesn't mean foreign. Alien as in extraterrestrial. Oh, my God. This whole situation worldwide, that's exactly the kind of thing we used to investigate. Torchwood, they said, and people died. But there was that other photo of Gwen Cooper. There was no date of death. She's still alive. The last one left. And I'm going to keep her safe. Which means making sure that the Institute stays dead and buried. So that first email last night, the one that just said Torchwood? Wasn't me. God knows who it was. But that was enough to call me back and I got to work. Releasing the malware, destroying hard copies, removing all traces of the word using retcon. What's retcon? What's retcon? It's a smart drug. Selective amnesia. So that scene right there kind of does it all. It 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 serves two purposes. It, one, it, it kind of, uh, for anyone that's not familiar with Torchwood, it introduces those people to Torchwood and what Torchwood is about and, uh, you know, where it came from. And for longtime uh, Torchwood fans and Doctor Who fans, it's, uh, it's a nice nod, you know. It's like, yeah, 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 that's exactly right. And it's sort of like, it, it, it kind of... Uh, brings you back to it, it's a bit nostalgic you know it brings you you know um it, it brings you back to the tortured series and and that it has that same feel and vibe that we've seen before, you know, just when it brings you back to the first episode of Torchwood where he um where Captain Jack brings in Gwen you know and uses retcon, retcon, retcon on um 
you know, on her as well. And she forgets and initially, and eventually she becomes part of the team. But, and, and I suspect maybe the, the same is happening here. Right. Yeah. And, um, as Willis Girl joins us in the room, and maybe resident alien Mark hasn't got that long, just to mention something that uh, Darth raised earlier on our show, that um, uh, Russell T. Davis um, was using one or two of the the, the tactics, or tr- not tricks, but his uh, signature ideas in this, in terms of, like, um, the way Captain Jack was introduced. I mean, you had that clip. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were a good 15 minutes into it, maybe. Well, 20 minutes. 20 minutes I, I, I checked the clock right. on that before he appears. Which, which was like in A Good Man Goes to War, wasn't it? And uh, yeah. that was mm-hmm. um, Stephen Moffat reusing a, a Russell T. Davis ploy. Um, but, um, you know, and then we have Captain Jack might make the silhouette appearance that all heroes seem to do. Um and um, there was there was a lot to admire, but we, we, we need to make the most use of Mark as we have him here. So, uh, <laughs> you, yeah, 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 I'm making you work, I'm making you work. Um, <laughs> were there any characters that you actually, um, you know, gelled with immediately, or um, any things? Well, I, I or... Go on. Picking up picking up from the Captain Jack point. The the thing that's so fascinating about it is, is the is the character we're all most familiar with is Captain Jack, and yet in this one, he's the most alien of all of them, isn't he? I mean, so we're made to sympathise sympathise with all of the with all of the American cast in a way, with the exception, I suppose, of the Bill Drummond uh, rapist character. So, so we've got the sympathy with lots of those characters. We have a lot of sympathy with Eve Miles's character and uh, husband and so on. But Captain Jack is kind of distant, and one of the things I'm quite excited to see is what his character development is going to be like over the next ten weeks, because, you know, we left him in a very, very, very low spot at the end of Children of Earth. And, you know, from what we can see, he's been sitting in a room, you know, on his own, brooding. I mean, this is a world apart from Captain Jack of a few years ago, you know, when when he first comes into Doctor Who, when he's a cheeky chappy and he's flirting with people. He hasn't flirted once yet, has he? Well, yeah. n- n- uh, so not yet. <laughs> Though I, I think that's, that's to come. But well, it, it is in the, uh, the, uh, the, shower, the fountain thing. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. It, it, yeah, I mean, they'd just yeah. fallen to, to what possibly could have been the death. They couldn't wait to sort of shake her hand and say, I'm Captain Jack. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, he's. He, uh, well, I'm just, but to Mark, the character development there. I, I think just to go to, to go to what you just mentioned, I, I think since he's been on Earth, he's probably in, in that one room thing. But he said he was called back, so we're assuming at, at the end of Children of Earth, uh, uh, yeah, he had left Earth, and we're assuming mm-hmm. that he was somewhere off-world, and he was called back once mm-hmm. that the Torchwood um, yeah. was. And he's licked his wounds somewhat. Yeah. Well, and wounds yeah. is a, a a good point there because you're saying Mark, you're saying now he's the most um, not alien in in this, which I agree. But them humanizing him now because now he he is no longer in, in, as as far as we know, he's no longer indestructible. Right, right, and it's always the problem that you've got with immortal characters or, or big heroes is how do you make them vulnerable? You know, what what's their kryptonite going mm-hmm. to be? And, and we've really got him. We, we've really got him with some kryptonite fairly early on, haven't we? With him bruising and and, and that creates a bit of anxiety for him because you know knowing that he's been indestructible before, he can take the bullet. But now, is he going to take the bullet? You know, for the next yeah. Yeah. two episodes. So I, that, I think that's quite exciting. I think that really 
sets us up nicely. And I think also having, I mean, I, I love the character of Gwen anyway, but, but having mm-hmm. her with the dynamic with her husband and now with the baby as well, and the argument in the hospital between yeah. the two of them, that, I mean, when I was watching that, I thought, this is what Russell T. Davis is, he loves doing, of course, the old kitchen sink drama, but he does it so well. And you feel the emotion. You know that she kind of wants to go back to this, and you know that she feels that she shouldn't do. So that's also going to be exciting, you know, watching the big transition you know, for her and for her character, and what kind of marital stresses are going to be, what kind of stresses are going to be for her as a mum. So that's uh, fantastic, I think. Well, it goes without yeah, saying that. And the Reese character, the Kyoin, the Reese character, mm. he was... Mm. He was out... He, you, you get the slight sense that he was almost glad that his wife was out of that, and she was, you know... Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got to say this carefully with Willis Girl in the room, but, you know, he's domesticated his wife, you know what I mean? Mm. Almost. Mm. Well, I mm. think... Kai Owen needs some props as well. I think he did an outstanding job, you know, portraying Reese Williams, you know, his character. And I, you know, it goes without say that Eve Williams is is brilliant. And, you know, she's, and sometimes Kai Owen doesn't get a, a, um, the recognition that that he deserves because he he really, I mean, for the small part that Reese Williams is, he really fleshes it out and makes, and makes it real. I had no doubt that that was, that was really, you know, Reese there, you know, it just, I, I think he did a fine job with that character. I, well, I think all the acting yeah. here is pretty is is top notch. Really, you know, I really didn't have a a, a problem. Even with um, Bill Pullman, really surprised me. Mm-hmm. N- not because I had any doubts of him as an actor, but I just haven't seen him in a role like this. You know, he where he's mm-hmm. played presidents and you know heroes, and um, you know, I you never seen him in this type of role before. So uh, I was quite surprised and pleased how well he's pulling off this. He's playing this um, convicted um, murderer, child killer, Oswald um, Danes. Yeah, which uh, Oswald is like absolutely outstanding. I agree. I I was a little bit concerned he was going a little bit sort of, um, uh, you know, uh, Anthony uh, Hopkins type of, uh, Mm. you know, where's the Chianti and the father beans? But. um, Hannibal Lecterish, but yeah, um, yeah, I, I think yes, I see a little um, bit of that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I thought it was better later. I did feel as though, again, I don't know whether it's again a perception of mine. Uh, and again, I'm not going to spoil episode two, but I did feel as though one or two, um, what 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 I would see in often shows in the UK, a very subtle smile. So in other words, when you have a meeting, when you see two people having a meeting. And in face-to-face, they're being, you know, straight with one another. And then as soon as somebody turns the back, you know, they, they hover slightly on the other person and, and the, 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 uh, the face slips to show, oh, he's a baddie, oh, oh he's a baddie, oh, oh, he's a baddie. He didn't really mean that. <laughs> I, fe- I, felt, I felt as though that was just a little bit too telegraphed. But um, and I'm not talking about, obviously, he was a baddie because he'd done all those things, but... Um, in other cases, there were a couple of characters that, you know, uh, as soon as the, the the secondary person had turned away, you, you, look, you look at the face and you're thinking, oh, yes, yeah, they're not really, you know, straight with them or so on. Mm-hmm. I think as well, it's a, it, but it's, it's, it's such a bold move to begin the episode with him as well, because you're, it, it's straight away as an audience, you, you think, I don't know, it, it wrote for me one of those dramas like, CSI or 
uh, you know, some or, or, or you know, some kind of serial killer type thing. You know, you're, you're beginning it with with one of the most profoundly unpleasant people it's possible to imagine. Then you're watching his execution. We haven't seen anything else. Just watching his mm-hmm. execution. I mean, what a bold move to begin. You know, to begin there. I mean, uh, and part of that, I think, you know, is, is Russell T Davies does want to signal that this is, you know, adult drama. You know, I mean, I was interested. It went out with a, a TV 14 attack, which I think is supposed to mean that it's 14 year olds and above. Is that the gist of that? So, and I, I think I suspect, there's like one yeah. higher than that. There's an MA. Which I think is higher than that, TVMA, you know, one. But some of the stuff in there is pretty unpleasant. I mean, what, I mean, talking about you know really grim uh, images. The, the image of the charred corpse. Yeah, of, the, that well, that was very creepy. Charred live body. Yeah. Wow, on the table. That that that, that lingered. Even it. though I knew it was you know all special effects and all that, it still was. I mean that that lingered with me for a couple of days later. Just the whole thing with the eyes yeah, and the head, and it was right. just wow. Well, I had a slight issue with that because I was. It, it, I mean, in some ways, it was very good because it had that, you know, because you're. I mean, I don't know what you two guys do when you're watching these programs, but I'm sort of working my moral compass inside my head as I'm watching it. So, like when Captain Jack said, what would happen if you, you know, if you cut his head off? And, and then you get one lone voice of one woman says, you can't do that, he's still living. Uh, and then the, the, the scientist that's been put in charge says, well, you know, I think we ought to, you know, almost as though this person is a non-human because basically he didn't look human. But it it almost verged on the, uh, was it scary or was it... Not silly, but you know what I mean. Just very, very near the edge. Yeah, I know what you mean. I mean, it tell you what it reminded me of. It reminded me of that film Seven. There's a really nasty scene in Seven where they come across uh, one of the victims of the serial killer. Initially, they think that the corpse that they think they're looking at is dead, and there's a horrible moment when they realise it's still alive. And that's probably the closest I've seen to that kind of image. But in this, it's kind of worse because it's like how. In any sense, can that kind of body, you know, be thought of as being alive? But I think the skill of it is, if you if you have a premise which is kind of fantastic, like the idea of no one dying, all the audience at some point is going to go, well, okay, what happens if you chop them up into little bits? What happens if you fry them? You know, like, and Russell T Davis is dealing with that mm-hmm. kind of um, almost that kind of gory imagination that any viewer has and says, okay, we're going to show you just how far this business of people not dying goes. And then you hit that spot, it kind of satisfies the curiosity a bit so you can get on with the storytelling. So very, very clever, I think, that. Yeah, good. To, uh, that is a good point, actually. When, when you say it like that, it makes sense, but it, 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 it certainly went right up to the precipice for me on that one. Yeah. Uh, the other nice yeah, thing... Yeah, the other good thing that was referenced, uh, Lewis, uh, if you caught it, was the fact that, um, you know, the you know the other thing is, well, is it just humans? And again, they they dealt with that by yeah, by talking uh, about the insects. Insect, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's directed. It would be it's, overrun it's, with them. It's targeted to humans, and the other thing is that we, we, which we see with Captain Jack, and we are seeing, we we appear to see with. Um, with um, the the CIA the CIA guy Rex Matheson is that no one seems to heal either. I mean, if you're if you're like near death or whatever, it seems like you stay in that condition and and doesn't seem like anyone's healing um, from what we can see at the hospital. It just seems to be overrun. I mean, I don't know, but 
um, that seems to be another well, part of this. Well, again, that was another. I mean, again, I'm not going to spoil episode two, but I felt better about it after seeing episode two because oh, okay. episode, one of my problems about episode one was the fact that you know it, it, it was just a prequel. I thought, and I was just getting ready for the story to get going, and it and it came not to a cliffhanger ending, but a stop. But um, the, the chat where where Rex leaves the hospital. And I said this on the Colton Collective earlier that um, he reminded me of Danny Glover in um, I've forgotten the name of the film yet again with um, Mel Gibson. Oh, the, one uh, of the um, live. Um, oh, yeah, I know the ones you're talking about. The uh, you know uh, where you know I'm too old for this game, and he's sort of got a collar around his neck, uh, and he's sort of the silly way he's trying to get out of the hospital, and he's staggering away and again it was just teetering on being not funny enjoyable but funny silly funny but mm -hmm. again uh, I, I take my point point on board that really they had to show that this was in extremists wasn't it the the whole event i mean quite rightly i mean some people think so everybody nobody dies what's wrong with that so, of course, he's got to prove yeah. that there's something wrong with that. Uh, you know, if there's sort of uh, three, 300 or 400,000 new people being born every day and half a million uh, new babies being born, you know, exponentially, you know, six months down the line and you've suddenly got an extra billion people on the planet and you've got a lot of them, I mean, presumably in extreme agony because, I mean... Uh, whether they can, can they eat? Can they? Uh, they're still obviously yeah. in pain. So, uh, well, I think that's that Rex character seemed to heal somewhat, but that maybe. But he, uh, he kept on. He maybe was, his his wounds didn't heal yet because he he, you know, he was bleeding throughout died, the whole. That's the point. Yeah. He, yeah. Well, even with um, Gwen's um, um, father, it, it, we have to assume that he's in pain, whatever, because they all seem to be disappointed that he didn't die, which seemed a little. Unusual. I mean, even I mean, even though logically you, you know the ramifications of no one dying when it comes to a family member, you're you're going to probably make a an emotional exception to that. And it, but that yet they still seem to be sort of upset that he was still living. You know, <laughs> and, and to a certain degree. I mean, it's um, even his wife I mean, has, made a comment. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, I was say sorry. It's, it has been covered before in these science fiction series. I mean, in. Um uh, if you take Angel or Buffy, uh, you know, you do have vampires that, you know, unless you actually behead them or, or uh, whatever, you know, the, 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 you'll set fire to them and they'll, they'll go away and they basically the skin will grow back and they'll, they'll be okay. Or in um, Highlander, if you watch that about immortals that way, you know, unless you cut the head off, if you do some damage to them, you know, they fall off a cliff or something, they will repair. So people watching TV should be at least familiar with that concept. Um, but I don't think people are, are repairing themselves. That's, I think that's the, part, the, the gruesome part here is that if you're, if, you know, if you're, if you're half dead, you stay half dead or whatever, it seems. I mean, I don't know. Um, that's, that's the no, way. I, th that's I, I think it's more the point if you, if you chopped up, you stay chopped up. Yeah. But, but, but it, 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 I mean, she, she said to the, the Rex character, that you would, although you were dead, your oxygen was still getting there, which gave me time to repair you. So the point is that after the event, 
the repairs were in place on his case. Because but he, he did, because he did ask if he was going to stay in pain, and is he going to live forever like this? You know, oh, so no, yeah, I, I would imagine I that mean, he's still in pain. One, I mean, it's one of it's one of the you know the you know it's like you say, Dave. It's one of the oldest one of the oldest you know things in fiction is is exploring you know death. You know, because it's one thing that we know that everybody as humans is going to have to face. You can't escape. It, it, it's a fantastic new take on it. You know, and, and I almost wonder whether, you know, you've got Russell T. Davis thinking you know, to himself, you know, what can be the premise? What can be the premise for this? And to reverse the, the, I mean, what kind of mind comes up with the idea of reversing what is special about Captain Jack so that everybody survives and Captain Jack, or at least we don't know how the story's going to develop, but uh, Captain Jack is, you know, apparently at least able to suffer, you know, again. I mean, it's, it's a really, really great new take on, on the thing because we're all interested in death, you know, and, and narratives that focus on interesting new takes on death are always going to be interesting. I mean, I, I, mean, I, I hope you can sustain it because I think the premise is absolutely fantastic. Mm -hmm. Really great. I, I should yeah. make a note that um, in our chat, uh, Cakes is Cakes mentioned it's Lethal Weapon is the name of the movie that we are talking about before with um, Danny Glover and, and Mel Gibson. Yeah. Thank you, yeah. yeah. We should remind um, people that you can, um, if you're listening now live, you can join in on TalkShoe. We have a chat room that goes on while the show is going on. And uh, also, if you want to call and get in the queue, we, we've been going on and on. We haven't really done this yet. So let me give a call out for the phone number. It's 724-444-7444. And the call ID number that you'll need for the show is one one. Zero eight two five, and um, so if you and if you've got a, if you've got a SIP client like um, a shoe phone or talk shoe, uh, you can call in uh, on one two three at sixty six dot two one two dot one three four dot one nine two, and that information might at least be useful for next week. Mm -hmm. And if you, if you heard a loud noise before when Mark was talking, my keyboard tr keyboard tray just. Um, broke so that's what that noise was so i apologize for that all right well we're um mark did you have any because I, I know you said your time was limited so uh i i know we, we need to take a, a quick break but do you have any other comments that you want to make before we do that in case you need to no, run no, off no nothing pressing I'm, I'm just happy to say um you know I suppose it's not TARDIS screens when it's tortured, is it? What's the tortured equipment? We, well, on our website on uh, podshock.net, we have weevils. We give a weevils rating because uh, oh, even though nice we don't fun, see nice we, we don't see weevils anymore on Torchwood, but originally uh, the first couple <laughs> the first couple series uh, they they were evident, you know, everywhere in in course, in, yeah. in the whales. It seemed so. Yeah, the fact that the fact that uh, weevils feel like they're from ancient history sort of illustrates just what a long journey it's gone on, doesn't it? So yeah, it's... Anyway, five weevils from me. Great. It's, it's, it's an incredible transformation how it went from a episodic series that the first two series was really about. Uh, there might have been some story arcs that had continued over from episode to episode, but now uh, with Children on Earth and, and now with Miracle Day, Torchwood has seems to be transformed into a um, sort of like a, a, a series of miniseries, you know, as we call them in the U.S. When you have a, um, a series that continues from one episode to another episode, um, 
well, not necessarily the, the soap operas as well and all that. But I mean, that's what it's come down to: telling a whole story in spanning a few episodes, be it five episodes or ten episodes. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you, Mark. Uh, again, it's always great to get your insight, and hopefully, um, you'll be back Pleasure. next time Thanks, for our Look review of, of next episode. Sure, hope so. Since we are talking about Torchwood, we'd like to make a recommendation for an audiobook, which is going to be, which we normally, with Doctor Who Podshock, will pick Doctor Who titles. And obviously, since we're reviewing Torchwood Miracle Day here, we're going to do a a Torchwood title. And that's going to be, we're going way back to one of the original audiobooks offered by, that that was a a Torchwood title that was offered, which is... um, Torchwood Another Life, which I haven't heard, but it may have some parallels to this. I, I'm not sure. It's, um, it's well, first let me explain that uh, what we're doing is we're giving a referral or recommendation for an audiobook from Audible, which Audible, Audible is the premier provider of digital audiobooks. They have over 85,000 titles to choose from, and that covers all different genres, be it business or thrillers, romance, comedy, of course, science fiction, fantasy as well. They have, um, they have all their titles are available to play on your iPhones or Kindles or Android devices, over 500 devices for listening anytime and anywhere. And for listeners of Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 14-day trial so you have a chance to check out their service. But the audiobook is, um, that you get free is yours to keep, whether you decide to keep it or not. So if you're interested... We recommend that you go get your free audiobook today at audibletrial.com slash British Sci-Fi. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash British British Sci-Fi. No hyphen in the sci-fi. <clears throat> Excuse me. So uh, you can get your free audiobook and what... Um, and they have several torture titles there. I, I, I'm guessing about a, at least a dozen or so. And one of the first ones is called Another Life. It's by Peter and... Excuse me, Angelides, if I'm pronouncing his name right, I'm not sure. And it's narrated by John Barrowman, and we're going to hear a little bit from that right now. Jack Harkness stood by the corpse. He tilted his head up towards the blue afternoon sky. What do you see? She studied the body. It lay half on the pavement and half in the gutter, legs folded over to one side, arms splayed out at shoulder height. The back of the head had leaked blood and brains into the roadway and wetted the otherwise dried mud that caked the nearby drain. Same cause of death as the others, she said. Look again. Gwen took a broader view of the alley. This is a new location, still out of the way, secluded, but further into town. He dropped his gaze and his pale blue eyes stared directly at her. Look again. Time of death must be early this morning. He clucked his tongue. Let's leave that for Owen to decide at the autopsy. Now look again. Gwen stooped for a closer examination. She remembered where she'd seen this kid before. He'd been selling magazines by the market. He was one of the badge vendors who cheerfully cajoled shoppers to part with their money and who didn't scowl even when the passers-by gave him the finger instead of cash. And now here he lay, dead, in a grubby back alley and splot. Someone or something had extinguished that lively look in his eyes by crushing the back of his skull. Crushing it so completely, Gwen already knew that when they turned him over, they would be able to see the cracked remains of his top vertebrae. 
Youngster, Jack nodded, satisfied. Won't be so hard for Tosh to cover up, because he won't be missed. He will be missed. Gwen was surprised how angry she felt about it. He'll be missed by me. I've seen him selling the big issue in town. So what's his name? That's not what I meant, and you know it. Jack smiled at her. It's all relative, Jack said. Which of us will be missed? And when? Next year? Ten years? A century? When they're building the next Millennium Stadium in Cardiff, or whatever Cardiff has become by then, who will miss any of us? Gwen stood up again. Sometimes I don't think you care about anyone. Well, there you have it. And as tradition with Torchwood, it um, paints a picture <laughs> of, of uh, gruesome reality there. Uh, I should make a point that this story is uh, about, it, it takes place, obviously, it's, uh, in um, Torchwood of old. We have Owen and Tosh still there. There's water levels and flooding that are taking place in Cardiff. And Torchwood is called to investigate a series of gruesome murders taking place during all this um the, the this i guess a storm that has um engulfed the the region there so that's um torchwood another life and that's available but you can make that your free selection you can make any that's available through audible as your free selection so once again to get your free title you can go to audibletrial.com slash british sci-fi to, uh, to get your free audiobook. Again, it's audibletrial.com, British sci-fi, and you can explore what they have to offer. I haven't listened to the audiobooks of this, but I think Another Life was the very first Torchwood book that came out. I um, think so, yeah. I think and, so. Yeah, and I think, I've, I, think I got the, either the second or third one, Slow Decay, and they are very readable, and certainly as an audiobook, especially if you're, you've got a commute and you're you know, in the car. Um, I, I mean, obviously, Captain Jack uh, knows the... It, how busy this guy is. He's it's... on tonight's tonight here <laughs> in the account, Saturday night. He's, he's judging on talent shows. God yeah, knows what this guy's he doing. He doesn't stand uh, still. And I know uh, Stephen Moffat had mentioned that he would love to have Captain Jack back on Doctor Who, but it comes down to scheduling, and I can imagine that could be problematic, you know, trying to get a hold of him. <laughs> I'd love his energy. Uh, in the text, by the way, we've uh, Cakes is Cakes uh, has mentioned um, uh, that everyone on Earth is in the... Going back to the, the, the episode we're talking about, everyone on Earth is in the situation Owen Harper was in Series 2 uh, that he didn't hear. Oh, yeah, that's um, right. That's, that's a good observation. I remember that now. Yeah. Uh, but in, uh, again, I don't think it's too spoilerish to mention that. I mean, in theory, he was he was... Not living, but not dead. I mean, um, it's not been brought up in this episode as to whether these people... I mean, they say Miracle Dead, they can't die uh, because they're still functioning, but... But it's an ongoing are, are theme. Actually dead? You know. It's an ongoing theme that Russell T. Davies keeps on bringing up. You know, you have Captain Jack who can't, you know, after what happened in, in Doctor Who and, um, you know, he, he was transformed so that he couldn't die. And then you had Owen who was in this... Um, you know that that couldn't heal, and it was it was a living death, and all that. And it's it seems to be an ongoing thing in Torchwood. Uh, one of the things that I'd like to mention. Uh, I mean, I know you're aware of the time now, but I mean, uh, this certainly assembled together a pretty good cast. I don't think I've seen any weak character in all the different uh, parts of the plate. Some we don't know how uh, prominent they will be. 
uh, as the series moves on. Well, but, we did um, mention, you know, just as far as the cast members go, that John Barrowman's back and Eve Miles and Kai Owens and Tom Price are all back from their previous work experience in Torchwood. Now Sergeant Andy. Uh, yeah, PC Andy, and now, well, now he's Sergeant and Andy... Um, Davison, which I don't know if it's a nod to Peter Davison, but it's uh, supposedly that that's his character's name. And joining them is, um, 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 and and again, I hope I'm not not mispronouncing it, Mikai Pfeiffer playing Rex Mathis in the CIA uh, operative or agent, or um, I'm not sure of his exact title now. Bill Pullman, as we mentioned before, plays Oswald Danes, which is that um, convicted murderer, child murderer. Alexia Havens plays Esther Drummond, and um, Arlene Turr plays the doc- Dr. Vera Jerez, um, who we seen at yeah. the hospital. So they're all in this episode, and there's a one or two other main characters that have yet to be introduced. You know, um, which we'll see. I think um, we'll see in episode two yet. You know, uh, when that uh, now, Dave. Now, episode two is. Um, is coming out a week from thir- from last Thursday. It's coming up this week. It, it, in the UK, this will, that will be shown on Thursday. Yes. Okay. We run six days later. All right. Um, I just wanted to be sure that's going to be the the regular time slot is going to be on Thursdays. Yes. Okay. And and uh, just to mention again, as we said uh, early on, um, the, in episode one, apparently the only difference between the UK version and the, the American version was. Um, what happened at the end, the sort of uh, trailer. I believe in, in, in the States, you you got a shortened trailer that only referred to the upcoming second episode, which is now, of course, aired in the States. Here in the UK, we got a rather a long, um, about a minute, what seemed to be about a minute and a half trailer, which seemed to take us two or three episodes into the series which slightly got me worried I must admit when I when I watched episode one and that's all we're talking about today uh, I enjoyed it but I was a little bit concerned as though they, they were worried that they hadn't done enough and and that they'd, they'd, they'd put together this sort of trailer saying you know don't worry, don't worry, you know, I, I, we know you know all this Torchwood stuff but there's lots of new stuff coming for you as well in inverted commas Mm. Well, sometimes I'm always fearful when they show too much of a preview that they're going to give things away. And I was watching uh, again on, in the Star Screening Room on their website. They have their promo- promos. In addition to the trailers, they have some of like the behind-the-scenes stuff. And there's this one um, promo piece that has the various actors but talking about it but they're not the actors they're, they're playing their characters so it's john barrowman i think opens it up as captain jack and he's talking about the the, the series as captain jack and and so are all the other characters they're they're speaking to you as their characters and i had seen this this was like i think their second promo that they produced that they put out months ago and i had seen it then but i sort of forgotten about it so i was re-watching it again last night and unfortunately there's spoilers in there because there's stuff in there that uh, that gave me insight on what's going on, which hasn't been revealed in episode one yet. So it's just a bit of warning there that if you're sensitive to spoilers, you might want to avoid that promo. And I don't know the exact name of the promo, but you'll notice right away that the actors aren't speaking as themselves. They're speaking as their characters. And if that's the one, you may want to just 
tune that off because I, I think there are some, I mean, nothing major, I don't think, but the, the, it gives away stuff that's not in episode one, I'll say that much. Uh, and the other thing that we haven't mentioned, as far as I know, is that um, uh, we're back to Murray Gold on the music. Murray thing. Gold's back doing the score. And um, so, uh, again, that even though it's Murray Gold, uh, he, which he, he did with Children on Earth, he, he, when he creates these Torchwood scores, he does them different. I mean, it's not the same. They're themes that are repeated that gives you the flavor of Torchwood, but it's a whole new, it's, it's a, a whole new music soundtrack to give its own, its, its own flavor, if you will. Or its own, yeah, yeah, indeed. So I, I think kudos to him. I, th- I think very much, as we said before, is that this really is Torchwood. It's just it's sort of like Torchwood wrapped up in a sandwich with with an American series. But I, I think it's done very well, and I think it's it's pulled off very well. And now, I, I know Dave, you put together some clips, and I want to play another clip since we're we're, we're getting deep into the episode. We're, we're, right. <laughs> 6 a.m. is the appointed time of death as Oswald Danes faces his last moments on this earth. Do you ever hear of Torchwood? It's British. Pass that Torchwood thing on to somebody else. It has absolutely nothing to do with me. Rex, my name is Dr. Horace, okay? We're taking you straight into surgery. Do you understand? Don't be so suspicious. What they flame past for? Because they can. I hope we're not disturbing you. Just wondering. It's private property. I'm busy. I could have shot them. 24 hours, no one's died. One lucky day. The survival of Oswald Danes turns out to be the first incident in a much bigger story. Miracle Day. Miracle Day. That's what it's being called. Miracle Day. The word Torchwood has vanished. If you search for Torchwood, you get no results. They all died. This is Sergeant Davison confirming reports of one suspect male in the vicinity of St. Helens Hospital, Cardiff City. Yes, my dad, he's in hospital. I've got to see him. I'm sorry, he's... We've got to go back. Friedkin's office took all the Torchwood files, cleared us out. I know. He sent me to double-check. these days. You want a bat? <laughs> anyway, Captain Jack Harkness, nice to meet you. Well, I'm sure that guy really regrets blowing himself up now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, even in that little clip that, that I've sort of cut together rather rapidly um and thank you, you by the way hear the music work, working very well in yeah time. absolutely um, you, well, uh, not much more to add from my point of view and uh, resident alien mark he did warn us that he, he would have to strap off audios he's still in the room but um uh, obviously um he, he w- might not be able to contribute any more on audio but um well we do thank him I, I don't think we had a chance to thank him so thank thank you mark i really do i appreciate you know, his participation. 
just uh, one question I'd like to ask you, Lewis. I mean, <clears throat> I mean, I saw it in high definition here in the UK. I mean, I don't know if you have access to high definition, but it looked very slick to me. I don't know how it. Well, I, uh, I didn't. What I saw was the the the, the streaming version that Stars offered, and it's um, it's not streamed in high definition. But I have to say that the quality of the show of, of of this episode was really it was cinematic. It was done. It was. I should make a mention that it's it's directed by Barat Nural. Uh, no, oh my God. Uh, Nolori, if I'm not, uh, again, apologies if I'm pronouncing mispronouncing <laughs> his name. He's a he, no good at- he's a British director, so his credits include Life on Mars, Hustle, Outcasts, and and Spooks. So uh, again, keeping that um, the 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 British roots here, he's um, he's he's a British director that they could have just easily gotten an American director, but it's uh, again. So I think it it's definitely is loyal to its British heritage and its Welsh tradition and history. So it's interesting, though, though that Canada has gotten the series the second day after a star is where BBC is... Canada has nothing to do with producing the series, yet BBC is getting it six days after, which, I don't know. I know there's been a, a bit of a brouhaha in the fan community about this, and rightly so. I don't, I don't really understand why that is. Uh, if any- well, I, I'm, I'm fairly laid back about it. I mean, I think some fans have, but I don't think it's, it, I don't think it's an absolute outrage as some people think. Um, if, if it's, um, it's a payoff, isn't it, between getting a high quality product with, I mean, there was, there was no doubt about it. You know, uh, what, what's the, the phrase they say in, in America? You know, the money's on the screen. Yeah, I'm just saying that if. If nothing else, it should be maybe on, on the same day that Canada gets it. Oh, that, like that would be ideal, yeah. of course. I mean, I'm not saying that I wouldn't prefer that. Um, I'm not even sure why uh, they need this sort of two versions. But as I said right at the beginning, mm-hmm. um, Russell T. Davis has at least intimated that uh, Captain Jack um, is aware that some people might try and watch it who might be shocked by perhaps what's to come on the U.S. version. Now w- this series opens up, and we see Gwen and and um, and Reese with the, their baby hiding away, and they're afraid of being hunted down. And later on, we see this helicopter come and um, and chase chase after them. Now, it's it's, it's been a couple of years since I've seen um, Children of Earth. Why are they being hunted down again? Just because they they're affiliated with Torchwood? Well, there's some ambiguity about that. Uh, in fact, we were talking about it earlier. The fact that um, when the 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 young girl um, Esther is it that's looking through the records, uh, and and they talk about the fact that um, you know that one of the numbers that she's been given is um, um, that she's in a safe house number, uh, which which seems to imply that you know uh, the government is sheltering her from somebody else. But it's not actually stated that she's in, you know, a safe house. She says it's similar to, you know, the sort of safe house numbers that people are given. Um, yeah, for like witness so, protection. Yeah, so we're not sure. And of course, the, the FBI have records on her. So we're not sure whether it's um, she's hiding from the FBI. We're not sure whether she's hiding from uh, British or indeed some infiltration of either of those organisations. By somebody else. Yeah, it's. I mean, I think it's still. I think it's definitely left open because there may be something to come that 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 might be an important 
part of the plot. Yeah, because after four, five, six, after that incident and Torchwood had um, ceased to exist, it seems that everything, everything relating to Torchwood has been erased. It had been shut down. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And of course, Jack had gone off world, as we know. That was a miracle. Turns mm-hmm. out, it's everyone. Did you get anyone on that Torchwood thing? No, it's been shut down. Orders of Brian Friedkin goes through his office only. Case closed. But what was it? Because the way those files disappeared. Total changed overnight, yeah? Some old British thing is not on the top of the list. Torchwood, that, that wasn't a virus. It's got to be some sort of malware. It's like nothing I've ever seen. The word Torchwood has vanished. It's been eradicated. If you search for Torchwood, you get no results. Nothing gets no results. And there's got to be something on paper. Shells are bare. It's all gone to freaking. I asked Yvonne. She said it was classified under the 456 regulations. She said you want to stay away. Why? They all died. So the story goes, anyone that worked for Torchwood was killed in action. And they died young. So it's a nice bit of continuity there, tying it to 456, which Mm. was in Children of Earth. um, It's interesting, there... In, in um, Children on Earth, you know, we had this alien threat, and we have, to, and right now in this first episode, everything's pointing to some sort of, you know, the only one that has this sort of technology would be someone off of Earth. So uh, we have to assume that it's an alien threat again. But it's, it's sort of the, the villain here, the adversary is um, non-death. There is no, we have no face of an enemy yet. You know, the 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 adversary that they're facing here is the fact that no one is dying, and and the what that will cause. You know, the overpopulation, the lack of food, um, the, the lack of resources for all this um, overpopulation is 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 the the enemy right now because we have nothing else to assign that to you know i'm, I'm yeah. assuming as the series goes on we'll learn more and maybe learn more where this came from and what this is all about and in this clip we've heard uh, and we hear, we heard it throughout this whole episode brian freakin which is a, a strange last name freakin uh, which i assumed i i I, I assumed it was a made-up name. I thought maybe it might have been Captain Jack was using that name, you know, as some sort of, you know, just like he used Owen Harper as when he was pretending to be um, um, someone else in, in that in the hospital there. So, but I I don't know. I, I haven't seen episode two yet, so it may be a, a different character that hasn't been introduced in episode one. Yeah, played by the actor who was in uh, Jurassic Park, isn't it? Oh, okay, Wayne so it's Knight. Wayne Knight. That's I was suspecting that might have been his character, but I wasn't sure. Yeah, he was in Seinfeld. He was a regular on Seinfeld playing. Oh, what was his name yeah, again? But, uh, mm-hmm. I don't think he's actually. I don't think he's actually appeared in episode one. No, he's not. He, but they, they, he, when they showed scenes for what's coming up in the series, he was in that. Right. Yeah, and this, uh, uh, and this is probably my final contribution, really, because. Um, with just the two of us now on audio, uh, we don't want to uh, get the people tired of our voices, was the fact that, um, first of all, the, I, although I enjoyed the first episode, I wasn't totally uh, blown away by it. Um, uh, I think one of the, the easiest ones to perhaps uh, draw an analogy with uh, from an American uh, viewpoint was um, a series called Fast Forward, that when you watch the first episode, showed so much promise. And then for me, it seemed to sort of basically melt away into um, 
basically, you know, they, they show so much at the beginning. They, you know, show you the surprises, and then they, they, they then they seem to stretch it out, and you you thought, well, come on, give us some, give us a bit more. So I, I was a little bit worried about that. Again, I'm not going to re- reference mm-hmm. see episode two at all, but I do feel as though if episode one and two had been shown as a feature-length movie or um, pilot, as it were, the impact could have even been greater on this. Uh, and and that's probably a small hint to me that actually I thought episode two was better. Okay, well, I, I haven't seen episode two yet, and that was sort of deliberate going into this because I didn't want to, I didn't want that to, um, you know, somehow um, make a difference on, on my review on, on episode one yet. So we'll, I guess we'll talk about that next week when and episode two is called rendition and that's followed by episode three which is dead of the night so um you know we'll be reviewing those as well uh it's interesting a different I think that, director a different writer uh-huh it's interesting here um well going back to the whole thing with the the, the helicopter we don't in, in episode one we don't know who exactly is after them in that helicopter that sort of resolves at the very end scene here where Rex Math- Matheson, the CIA head guy, sort of takes Torchwood under his jurisdic- jurisdiction. jurisdiction. Yeah. <laughs> and, and trouble, yeah. So, you know, he's, uh, that's where we see PC Andy again and uh, the police and all that. So it's not them because they were shooting and he was, uh, you know, Rex Matheson was one of the targets. So it's, it's someone or something else that's doing that. But what's interesting is that here we are and no one dies. And, you know, we've seen the exploded guy still living even once his head is decapitated. Yet when uh, when they shoot down this helicopter, which still had people on board and still obviously had pilots, uh, a pilot there, they uh, both Captain Jack and and Gwen, you know, they smile at each other. And I know what that's about, you know, like oh, Torchwood is back, but these people are in this non-death state that are burned up in this helicopter that are still we have to assume conscious and alive, even if they're exploded. So. Uh, they seem to have forgotten that little aspect of um, <laughs> blowing up the helicopter. Um, I think yeah. the, the real miracle here, going back to the Rex Math- Matheson character, is um, that mobile phones don't need to be recharged at all, we, we learn here, because uh, it goes, uh, Gwen's, um, it opens up in the beginning of the story, uh, Gwen has a, a hidden phone stashed away that, like, locked up in a drawer someplace, with that is only for like calls from PC Andy, and we have to assume that it hasn't been used in years yet. It's fully charged and ready when <laughs> when PC Andy calls. And well, I mean, there is a slight get around on that because she does have that stash of weapons, so she's obviously prepared for you know an incursion. Yeah, but what I'm getting at is that the phone is charged, it wasn't plugged well, I think in. She probably would have done that, <laughs> yeah. What was more surprising was the fact that you know. Uh, the, the chap's talking on the aeroplane, and six hours later, he still seems to be having but, the same conversation. Uh, that, and also he's talking on in the hospital, he, and he makes this uh, trip, you know, taking a taxi or whatever to to the airport, and then he takes the plane, and you don't see a recharging co- I mean, that we have to assume that he's recharged his phone off camera, but it just seems l- unlikely that he's uh, he had that opportunity, and, and it doesn't seem like his uh, his mobile phone dies at all. It, I think that's the real miracle in Miracle Day is these, these batteries that don't die. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Well, I, I needed well, to no, say no, that no, as a tech person. In, uh, the miracle <laughs> is in ET when the guns change into phones. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're, we're talking about the 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 re-release of ET when uh, Steven Spielberg had a George Lucas moment and decided to um, CGI the the rifles in the in those. Um, I guess there was I don't know CIA or whatever in their hands and government officials, whatever they were. And change them into walkie-talkies because they didn't want, you know, they they didn't want guns to be chasing, you know, armed people chasing children. So, um, so I guess that covers most of what's happened in episode one. Uh, I think you said yourself that you you had said everything you needed to say. What's interesting is, well, yeah, just to give a rating, I would give it. um, I think I'd give it um, three and a half, maybe four uh, weevils out of five. I think as a, if it had been done as a pilot film, I'd probably have been rated it even higher, maybe four and a half. But on this episode alone, three and a half to four. Yeah, I would give it four out of five. And and the, the only reason why you can't really give it five is because so much of it is left unexplained, and which is understandable. It's only the first of ten episodes. So, um, you know, it, you, you, you're left very, you know, not satisfied because you're not... A lot of things are left unanswered, but again, that's intentional. So, um, but I, I give it four out of five. I, I think it was a, a good start for Torchwood. I think Torchwood is back, and there's no question about it. You know, um, new opening credits, but it still has the, that same familiar feel, plus something new added to it. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to the rest of the series. So, all we really need now is to just send a play out to people to try and join this show uh, live so we have more voices on call. Yeah, be uh, sure to... What's your ID you've given out? Yeah, it's... Um, the, the ID number is... The call ID number for the show is 110825, but you can just join TalkShoe, which is a free-to-join. We have... Uh, right now, the next episode isn't listed yet, so I'll need to post that. So next Sunday at the same time, we'll, we'll be back next Sunday at 4 Eastern uh, Daylight Time for a review of, yes, Rendition, which is episode two. Uh, Again, Dave, I want to thank you for these clips. Uh, Let me uh, play this uh, last final one that you had done for us. CIA! Yeah? So what? (laughs) Hold you right there, mate. Thanks so much for tying him up. Never tied up a person. Men are good at knots. How many times have you told me that? At Christmas. Hey, 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 hey. I had a pole through my chest. I was dead, then I wasn't. I had to pay for this bridge. And now I want to know what the hell is going on, all right? Can't leave you alone for a minute. Now get in. I got a present for you in the back. You there, CIA, do something useful. Wales is insane. I cut my arm. Okay. Can't help but thinking there's more important things to be worrying about here. No. I cut my arm. Do you mean... I'm staying hurt. Don't you see the whole world becomes immortal? And I'm mortal. I don't mend. I'm normal again. I'm plain old human. Your what? Doesn't concern you. Here comes my ride. I 
Andy, you can't do this. Orders from above. I'm sorry. He's in charge. And on behalf of the CIA, under the 456 amendments to U.S. Code 3184, I'm extraditing this so-called torchwood team to the United States of America. Now, get me out of here. Excellent. Thank you, Dave, once again for putting together those clips. Much appreciated. Pleasure. And I just want to remind people that you can also listen to Doctor Who Podshock, which is a show that we do concerning Doctor Who. We do cover a little bit of Torchwood there, but uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi was a spin-off of Doctor Who Podshock to kind of cover all British science fiction shows. So, But if you want to um, get a taste of um, Doctor Who Podshock, you can go to podshock.net, or, or it's available in iTunes as well. You'll hear the familiar... <laughs> Doctor Who Podshock. Okay, well, let's do it now. I, you know, whatever it is, if it's valuable, send it to us. <laughs> For the best in all things Doctor Who, it's Doctor Who Podshock, the podcast all about Doctor Who, the longest-running science fiction television program with Louis Trapani. Hello. Ken Deep. Hello. James Norton. Hello. News. Fabulous. Reviews. Oh, no. And fan mail for James. Uh, 40,000. Doctor Who Podshock from the Gallifreyan Embassy. You know, that guy James was really cool. Oh, yeah, we blew that. <laughs> I'm the Doctor, and who are you? And who are you? So be sure to listen to Doctor Who Podshock, and I want to thank you all for listening to Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi. I know that's a mouthful and um, maybe we'll just abbreviate it to um, you know guide to British sci-fi I don't know L- let us hear what you guys think and get some feedback on that uh, do appreciate everyone tuning in and listening and if you're listening on the feed or listening live we're always appreciative of you so and speaking of appreciation I want to show my appreciation to Dave A.C. Cooper who can be found on every week on the Cultum Collective which is a show that covers all sci-fi it's on every Sunday at 2 p.m. on TalkShoe it's also available in iTunes and um, they have a website too so Dave you can fill in people on where people can find and how to listen to the Coltham Collective thank you uh, yeah, the Coltham Collective is on Torchu Torchu ID 54821 we've just done an episode on both episode 1 and 2 of series 4 Miracle Day um, next week we're doing about the uh, Big Bang Theory we're talking about those geeks in that funny American TV show um, but you can catch us, uh, or actually find more about us at cultdom.com, which is our blog. That's the show I do with Ian, the Sixth Doctor. And we also do some commentaries, which, uh, along with Mike Randall Thor, you can also find at zarban.com. Fantastic. And you can follow Dave on Twitter at DaveAC, and you can follow me at Louis Trapani. We're both are active on Twitter, so... Um, in between shows. You can chat with us that way. So I think that's uh, rounds out our show for Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi. So yeah, uh, Thanks again to uh, Mike, resident alien. Made a great contribution. Yes. So until next time, cheers, everyone. Bye.
Thanks for listening to the Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi. To support this podcast, please visit Hitchhiker's Guide to British Sci-Fi.com or ArtTrap.com and hit the donate button. We can only bring you this show with donations and support from you, our listeners. This has been a production of Art Trap Productions. Please visit ArtTrap.com for more on this and other podcasts.